This is the voice of 2B, and you're listening to Cat with Monocle. Welcome to the fourth episode of Cat with Monaco's podcast. Now, today we are cat- chatting with voice actress Kira Buckland, who has voiced many, many characters such as Daisuke 5, Poyo Poyo Tetris, Detective Pikachu, Bravely Default, Fire Emblem Heroes, Blue Exorcist, Grand Blue Fantasy, and most noticeable, 2B from Near Automata. How are you, Kira? <laughs> Good, that's a lot of titles. So, to kick things off, you used to live in Alaska, right? Yep, that's where I was born and raised. <laughs> How is that different? Um, I mean, a lot of stuff is pretty similar, but it's just like there's... um, When you live in California, you can like drive to a lot of different places if you want to. Like there's, I guess there's like more to do, so the communities are bigger and stuff, like gaming communities and things like that. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, you went to uh, University of Alaska for voice acting or something else? No, I actually ended up majoring in Japanese, but, hmm. um, yeah, I didn't end up doing anything with it. <laughs> you, know, you don't even take a trip? Uh, have you ever taken a trip to Japan at all? Or No, I've actually never been outside of North America, so I'm going to Ireland next week for a Comic Con, and Ooh. that'll be my first time doing that. Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> Whole new world experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Are you going to do a little sightseeing when you're there? I hope so. Yeah? Now, I've always wanted to try out or uh, take a visit out to Ireland and the UK, but uh, I'm actually going to be going to Japan later this year. Uh, oh, lucky. Yeah. I'm actually going to be uh, ping- picking up a little one for adopting. Oh. <laughs> we were uh, able to get into a placement for that wonderful so the the uh the way that this is going to work though apparently is the child will be under one month old it's gonna okay. be a really young one the fun part's going to be as a uh what, 12 13 hour trip one way and then mm-hmm. taking uh one you know like a, not even a month a month old back on the way back to the u.s so that's gonna be really interesting oh yeah well, at least, you know, the good thing about getting them that young is you can raise them and stuff. You know, it's not like you have to undo a lot of bad um, habits or whatever. I mean, I foster kittens, which I know totally isn't the same thing, but it's like <laughs> the same reason it's easier to foster a kitten because you can mold their behavioral traits. Oh, yeah. No, we've uh, we've got a – it's funny, though, that you bring that up because we picked up a kitten. Uh, his name is Michelangelo Orange. Aww. <laughs> I love <laughs> my my two um one of my permanent ones is one and then my two fosters because they're brother and sister mm-hmm. and potential adopters came to look at them today and they're in love with pumpkin spice kittens as well so oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that tell you what though when they when they're kittens they're uh you just can't you know you just can't stop holding them mm-hmm. and they're little they're little rascals too when they play like you can play with them for hours, and they just—they've got the energy. Yeah, we've got a. Well, when we we when we picked up Michelangelo, um, he had two other cats he would he could play with, and they had nothing to do with them. They didn't look at him like, "What the hell is this?" Mm-hmm. And I've got a grumpy cat, um, he, and the kitten would always uh, jump on him and play with them, and they would bat at each other. It was pretty funny, but. A little entertaining at the same time, but uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know about fostering uh, uh, cats, but it's, I've heard I had uh, somebody I knew back in Grand Rapids that they foster cats, and they've seemed to enjoy it. I think it's just a matter of the personality you're going to get all the time could be quite different. Mm-hmm. You get some that's laid back. Some of them are going to be really pretty grumpy if you could say or 
they have nothing to do with you or they're going to not go the right litter box. Yeah. So that's always the fun part. But, I don't know, I've always enjoyed cats. I grew up with cats a lot. And one of the cats that I, it was a family cat. But I was, man, I was like probably, uh, I'd say, I don't know what age I was. I, all I can think of was I was in third, fourth grade. And we needed some, uh, we needed to get a cat to get, you know, uh, we, were living, we were living in Ohio. And we had this nice big yard and we had mice kind of sneaking in. So we had to get, you know, a cat or two to be able to, you know, fend them off. <laughs> and I remember we picked up one cat and then this other cat came out and I told my dad, I says, hey, I want that one. And so we named, so it was a female cat and we had a boy cat. The boy cat was named Bart. The other one was Lisa. And we've, uh, I don't know, we moved a few times after that. And Lisa actually, she had a really long life and she was awesome. She would, uh, I remember she would always want to go inside and outside all the time. And I remember in, when I used to live in Tennessee, um, we had a mouse in the house. And Bart, um, he was just fat and lazy. The mouse would just run right by him. He just looked at it like, I didn't know what was, he didn't know what it was. And we're like, well, you're kind of useless. And so I remember getting ready to go to school and I saw Lisa outside and I yelled for her. She looked up and she started and she started running toward the house. And as she was running, like these mockingbirds would start diving down, you know, trying to pick out her head and her head would be really close to the ground ears you know parted down and she would just try to dodge them mm. but i don't know i mean i'll tell you what though tennessee had some fun animals down there i swear yeah just, i bet not just mockingbirds so i didn't have to deal with opossums until i moved to california oh, really? and those things are pretty creepy yeah we didn't have them in alaska yeah. we have like moose and other weird things <laughs> but i didn't encounter like creepy and they're not like the cute kind of possums you see in pictures where people are like protect this good boy at all costs on the twitter you know it's like the ones that are like these creepy like trash rat looking ones right oh those were everywhere in tennessee i mean there's not a time you would actually i hate to say like on the side of the road or just somewhere and you look at like holy crap i do not want to be in this and meet this thing in person but those little buggers i swear but I mean, that's the way it goes. I mean, I think the thing I just I think I despised a lot was the spiders down in down in Tennessee. Ooh, yeah. I hate spiders. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, thank you. Yeah, those were not the those were uh yeah. They would plant anywhere around the house and I uh I stayed really clear away from them when I came home from came home from school. I see when I would probably like walk eh, maybe a good ten feet around it <laughs> before I went back in the house. But yeah, no, thank you. So, so you've how long? So, you did Japanese for four years at school. Um, well, I actually kind of it was weird. I wanted to graduate from university early so I could move out to California and stuff. I ended up like sort of moving back and forth once, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I tried to finish school early, so I like I started taking some of my credits in high school, and then I did like summer classes and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, I guess my experience was not as traditional as some. Hmm. Did you now, do you still know some of the language? Yeah, it's just I don't get to use it often. I mean, I, you know, I'm exposed to it in the sense that, like, I work on so many Japanese games and shows. Mm -hmm. So they play the original voice track and we get to hear it that way. But you can, you can fairly remember, hey, I know what that, I know what that is. I can, I get what they're saying. I, I get the, the tone that they're using. Right, it. but ask me to remember, you know, certain, like, vocabulary that I haven't used since school, and I'm going to be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, at least you got something under your belt. Mm-hmm. Now, did you, <clears throat> excuse me, did you, because um, I know you went to, from what I read, that you went to the Anime Expo to do a, uh, an audition. Did you do mm -hmm. that after you moved to, you know, to California the first time, or... Was that something you've always wanted to do before going? I mean... 
Oh, um, that was actually, I was still living in Alaska when I did that. And mm-hmm. I was taking, you know, I had entered college like a little bit early. I um, was taking like acting classes and like some private lessons with one of my acting instructors. And I, you know, heard about this contest and stuff. And I knew I really wanted to do it because I'd been doing a lot of online voice acting. Mm-hmm. And so I'd practiced a lot and this and that. But, you know, I we had to like prepare a monologue and stuff like that from a show. So like I worked with my coach on that and, you know, just practice and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of my thought too was, Oh, well, if I can go down there and if I can get their attention, then, you know, that'll sort of be like a foot in the door when I move there eventually. So right, that was a thing that was really cool that I got to do that because I think it can be really hard to get started because you can't, you know, you can't just like walk in the door somewhere. Sometimes emailing a place works, but they're getting so many submissions day in and day out. And it's just like, I don't know, having an opportunity to get in front of a casting director is important and you want to be ready if you ever have that. It seems like it's also, you know, I would think it's also like uh, knowing people, like networking. Like if you know somebody, you can kind of have a, you know, a better chance to land something. Then yeah. to go, you know, head, you know, you know, head first and to try to do something without any experience. And I mean, you still have to be good, you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You can know, you could know the head casting director at like one of the biggest game companies in the world or something. But it's like, if you're not a solid performer, you might get like an extra at best. So it's kind of, I don't know. You think by doing the flash animations and the online know on the online communities helped you out a lot um yeah I think you know just in terms of getting that practice like um when you make your mistakes ideally you want to make them at home or like in hobby communities and not when you get into the actual industry that you know I mean I've made my share or fair share of mistakes in the industry I think we all have but um you know I think doing online stuff can help in terms of um just getting comfortable recording yourself mm-hmm. um you know, kind of learning with, with a lot of people when they first start out, there's a disconnect between what they think they sound like and then what they actually sound like. One part of that is vocal tone. And then the other part of it is, um, just like acting. Like I find a lot of people think that they're emoting a lot more than they really are. So to them, they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm giving this deep, meaningful performance. But when you listen to it, it just sounds very flat. And so I think kind of, um, I guess tuning yourself would be the right word to kind of, you know, like be giving the performance and have that accurately represented, like the performance you're trying to give in your head, I guess. Yeah. So anything that you can do that's, you know, just practicing in advance is very helpful, I think. Okay. Now, do you do a lot of your recording um, at home or in a studio close to you? And then I know usually voice actors would actually send them out for, you know, to the, to the, you know, to the, you know, to the companies to use it. Is that what you, what, how do you do it when you do Um, your... Well, it depends. A lot of times for auditions these days, they don't really have the time or the budget to like schedule everybody to come in and, you know, pay people to be there, especially because they've got so many projects going on at once. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times for auditions, they will just send them out over email and be like, okay, here's the audition sheets with the characters, email us back your MP3s, and then they'll bring you in if you actually get cast. Okay. So anytime that I'm doing like an anime or any major game, anything like that, I'm always physically going in to record. Um, And most of it is pretty close to where I live. Um, There is, I mean, the Los Angeles area is just like really big and spread out. So you know, sometimes I'll have to drive like an hour for something, but thankfully most of the stuff is in my town. Oh. And, um, so yeah. And then, but some things like, um, if I do, I still do indie games here and there, like paid indie games or, you know, I just have a few miscellaneous clients that I'll maybe do like a quick narration thing for or something. And I record a lot of those from home. I finally purchased a professional recording booth last year. So that's really exciting. I mean, of course, my cats love to use it as a giant scratching <laughs> tower, but... <laughs> yeah. Now, those are pretty nice, though. Uh, I've used one in the past uh, during my college years, and they're pretty nice. It's nice little booth, and you don't have that, you know, outside noise 
outside noise just coming in and the echoes. So having your own personal one actually would be pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so you would prefer to do that. Would you prefer to do that instead of going to the actual studio? Just more because of a comfort level or does it not really matter? For auditions and quick jobs, it's nice to just be able to record something from home. Mm -hmm. But for the big, lengthy games and stuff I do, or especially for anime, ADR, like anything where we have to sync it up to picture, I'm, you know, definitely glad that we have to go in for that because... One, anytime you have to sync something with a video, that's really hard to do on your own. Like, there's a reason they don't do a lot of dubbing stuff remotely. And one of that being, you know, they have the software and tools there where they can set it up in a way that actually makes it as easy as possible for the actors. But if you're trying to, like, do all that on your own, that would be really rough. Um, mm -hmm. It's also, it's nice to have the director there, of course, and sometimes, you know, representative from, from the companies or whatever, to direct your performance because if you're working with clients just online from home, sometimes you'll send in files and you'll, you know, you'll send in your best takes and they'll be like, okay, we need all these redone with these notes. And then, so you have to go back and do another round and then sometimes they'll have more. So I feel like it's less efficient in that case, as opposed to if you're working live with the director and they can say, okay, do another take of this, but this way or whatever. Um, and then the other benefit to when you can go in is you do have an audio engineer who's like able to edit and mix and all that kind of stuff because I hate editing. I know most voice actors do. Like it's a skill that you absolutely need to learn because you have to edit your auditions. You have to edit if you, you know, even if you're just doing hobby work from home, you have to edit your files that you turn in. So it's a really good skill to learn, but it's like we all hate doing it. So it's nice when we have somebody there. <laughs> No, I can imagine, like, just editing-wise, just takes a lot more time, and then just a lot of tedious, uh, you know, going through, getting the right cuts, and then piece them all together. And not only that, though, but just adjusting the audio. Yeah. Now, what was, so you did a lot of Flash, you know, community and Flash uh, animations. What was your first, uh, I guess, video game that you've uh, actually voice acted for? I think the first video game that I did was Castle Crashers back in the day. And that one was one of the few video games that I actually did record from home because that was sort of like I got into it sort of by chance through my involvement with the Newgrounds community at the time. Yeah. Um, the first in-studio game that I recorded that I can remember coming out is an obscure DS game that I'd never heard anyone playing besides me. <laughs> and it was called Away. <laughs> Interesting. Now... Yeah. Back to Castle Crashers, because you, you did uh, you did all the princesses or just one of them? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was just little quick sound clips, so it wasn't, you know, it was pretty yeah. much just like, help me, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like a snake boss, and she just kind of like hums this little tune. Yeah, but I think it was Medusa. I was going mm -hmm. back and watching the clip, and I remember playing this game a long time ago, and it was a lot of fun. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I'm, so you've played Castle Crashers after you were after you recorded it yeah did you then it, do you usually do that on um, some i know like i know that you're usually pretty busy with uh you know with your career and everything else going on live do you ever have the time to actually sit down and just you know i'm gonna try this game out that i just recorded certain games yes um near automata was one you know you just can't miss out on especially mm -hmm. because so many of the people who played that it really affected them and stuff and being able to share that experience mm -hmm. with them is great obviously um ace attorney because i'm a huge fan of that series and you know i would have bought spirit of justice and played that even if i wasn't in it so you know that's like even twice the the reason to do so yeah um you know just some of like stuff especially if it was like a ds game or something it was easy for me to play because that way i could just take it with me um yeah, because you were in the Bravely, uh, the Bravely Default and Bravely Second uh, DS games, mm -hmm. and you were in actually quite a bit of them. Now that I think about it, <laughs> well, yeah, because my character came back, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of times, you know. Again, it is a timing thing because any game that you want to play, like you usually have to put a lot of time into it. Um, I don't know. It's just 
it's a lot even for like sometimes we want to play games that we're not in and then those take up our time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, is that it gets really expensive. And contrary to popular belief, voice actors almost never get copies of the stuff that they're in. So if we want the game, we have to buy it. Granted, mm. we get paid pretty well for the session, which is great, but it's kind of like, well, do I use this money toward rent or do I <laughs> or do I use it to buy the game? So, right. you know, we can't we can't buy and play or watch everything that we're in, so we kind of choose like, oh, this one looks really cool or, you know. Right. Well, that's that's uh, that's ironic because uh, a lot of times when I do uh, websites for uh, you know, designing and develop them, you know, you'll never get anything like, oh, here's a, you, you know, if it was like a pair of sneakers, we don't get a pair of sneakers, you know, thanks for the job, here's a check. Mm-hmm. So either you got to go buy them or like you said, either I need to pay for the roof over my head or I cannot have a roof over my head. Right. Now, and sometimes for indie games, like she'll be like, well, we can give out like Steam keys for the game if anyone wants them because, you know, a lot of times it's like, especially if those are lower paid and this and that, they're like, well, here's kind of like a thank you gift to the actors. Mm-hmm. But especially anything that requires physical copies is just not really done. Yeah. Now, I know it's it's ironic that you mentioned about uh, Near Automata because that was just uh, a year ago since it came out and it's still being played and still being remembered and still being talked about. How does that make you feel that people are still talking about a game that you've uh, had a big role in? It is honestly incredible, and I never expected it to get this big, you know, especially considering the other games in the franchise were more underground. Yeah. So I just, like, I'm so grateful that, you know, there's days where I can't believe, like, how did I get to be a part of this, you know? The, now, what was the game? Uh, Because you did... uh, here you've done a f- quite a few for nintendo and you've done a quite a few for square and you've done f- a few as other ones so i'm just going to name a few so listeners can understand know what you've done like skull girls you've done mary uh bravely default the first and the second one uh xenoblade chronicles x but you were a female avatar how does that usually work um, I was one of the custom voices, like you create your character in there, and then one of the things you can choose, you know, you can choose like your hair color and your clothing and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and then you can choose the voice, and there's different options to choose from based on how you want your character to sound and how you want their personality to be. So I've done a few of those. I did those for like God Eater 1 and 2 as well, oh, okay. uh, where you can like build your character and then customize the voice. Yeah, and then you've done Poyo Poyo Tectris. Mm-hmm. And you've done Fallen Legion, which is about to come out, or is it already out? I know it's coming out for the Switch really soon. Oh, and I didn't know that was going to be on the Switch. I thought it was for PC. So, <laughs> yeah, news yeah. to me. You've done, I don't know, you've got a list going on. And I actually was quite excited that you've uh, talked to somebody that actually has such a, a large resume, not only for uh, video games, but also anime as well. I mean, you've. You know, dipped into quite a bit of roles, you know, from Hunter x Hunter, Sailor Moon, Asterisk War, Kill a Kill, Blue Exorcist, you know, your recent one, Grand Blue Fantasy. Yes, I mean, and also ReZero was just announced recently, yes. too. Yes, I just actually talked to Sean uh, Chiplock about his roles on that as well. Oh, I know. He's so excited about it. Yeah, he was. Um, I think we had a good segment of him. <laughs> he and I were talking about that. Um, now, now, because that, um, what was your first, uh, big role? I would just say, you know, I don't know if it was to be from near Automata or something before that. I mean, I did a few things before that, that, um, did catch people's attention. I guess you could say like the Danganronpa games got pretty popular, um, to be was like nothing else I've ever done. Like that blew up, you know, before that it's like, I had a few people on Twitter and stuff and be like, Oh yeah, I like the stuff you do or people who kind of followed me from my online work and then kept up with what I was doing or, you know, just, just people I met here and there, but it's like near automata was like something completely different. Cause before, you know, it was like, nobody knew who I was or whatever, which is fine. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we don't, do your voice acting recognize or and for a bad time, but it's kind of like, um, you know, it was just so different. Cause it's like, I used to always wonder, cause I would see that happening to my friends and stuff where, um, people were, I don't know, like 
telling them like, oh, like I'm such a fan of yours. And I was like, what's it like to have fans? I'd done a ton of stuff, but it was just kind of like, you know, I think a lot of people play games and they don't necessarily think who's in it or whatever. But um, yeah, so it was just so different. I know what I mean. I know we keep going back to two B, but I mean that was a that came out of nowhere, and I can see that how you. I mean, ah man, <laughs> I wanted to say uh, maybe possibility they you know if there was to do a something to do with more of two B like a prequel or maybe a spinoff something. Would that, would that probably excite oh, you? Oh, I to wanted do that? to be in the new Smash. I know it's not going to happen, <laughs> but it's like, that's all I want, please. <laughs> that would actually be interesting if you could, if that could happen. I know with, uh, with that being announced, you know, now we're back in the same roulette as who's going to be, who's going to be picked up and who's going to be in it. Yep. Now you've done, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. You let me know is Daskea 5. Oh, yes. Um, Disgaea 5 is, like, a super cool game. I was aware of the franchise for years before. I think I, you know, even did some voice acting for, like, a parody of it at one point or something of, like, the earlier games. Mm -hmm. And so when I got cast as Serafina, who's the female protagonist of that version, it was, I was so excited. And also just because of the role, like, I love playing, like, snobby, bratty girls. It's just mm. so much fun. So her character <laughs> type came very naturally to me. So that's so that is your um that is your go to kind of role to go with is the uh mm-hmm. snotty <laughs> the snotty characters. Yeah. It's funny though because I actually did play the first few and they're really fun games. And for the fifth one to come out and then also be on the Switch, I think that grabbed a lot of people's attention. So I think I think having that game, you being in that game, to be, I, I, it seems like you, you know, you're starting to grab a lot of people's attention. Oh, I sure hope so. <laughs> I, I think you are, but you've also, you know, again, you know, you've done a lot of stuff from uh, anime shows as well. I mean, Blue Exorcist. I mean, that's a pretty popular show. I mean, you were, you know, one of the characters. One of the characters that. Uh, not in every episode, but majority of them. Uh, Uzomo, I believe is yeah. her name. And then you've had, I, I know with some of them you were, you know, smaller roles, but still, I mean, be able to at least put that on your resume of, you know, Sailor Moon, Hunter x Hunter, Pokemon Generations, and now with the bigger role of Grand Blue Fantasy. Um, what, it, you know, I know Grand Blue is a mobile game that's only available uh, outside the U.S., have you played the, that game or heard of it before you took on Grand Blue? Um, I'd heard of it. I actually haven't played the game myself, but I don't know. It looks cute. I, I play like I'm addicted to Love Live, but I already have like mobile trash games that I spent <laughs> money on. <laughs> Let's play to go play to go free apps, free app games. Mm-hmm. Which well, one? They call them free, and then yeah. they suck you in. Right. And then plus, of course, I got that Fire Emblem Hero, because I play a couple characters in that's, that. And, that's right. And I got addicted to playing that, too, so it's, like, great. Yeah. <laughs> you play as, um, who are the two characters you actually play on that one? Um, Erica and Katarina. Yes. Now, what other uh, games do you have on that phone? you have any of the Final um, Fantasy ones? Because I've been playing the uh, Final Fantasy XVS quite a bit. I do not. I have Idolmaster, which I haven't played in a little while. And then I have, like, this JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game. <laughs> yeah. So you have quite a few. So, I mean, there's still a few, but I remember when... Uh, when smartphones were coming out, when it was always like, what, you had either Angry Birds or you've had these like cute little games where if you, you try to collect candies or something like on each stage. But you don't really see those as much as anymore. But now it's it's becoming yeah. aware, you know, now you see, you know, Square, Nintendo starting to come out with, let's create an, you know a game on there, but 
most of the time it's free, but they kind of, you know, like you said, they get you to spend that extra money to get those summons. You know, oh, you didn't get that character? Well, yeah. get ready to pay for some, you know, hard cash to get this character. Exactly. It's all about, like, the waifu and husbando. Yeah. Style, like, the, <laughs> the units or cards that you're trying to get. That's right. And they always do those special events. And they somehow create mm-hmm. new ones out of, I don't know how they end up doing it, but they do it. Yeah. Now, you've... Have you grown up playing video games before you started into voice acting and anime as well? No. Um, I wish that I got to, but I didn't really get into video games until I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would play like... That's how I kind of decided I liked fighting games because, you know, somebody had me try Soul Calibur and stuff. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is really fun. And then I'd annoy everyone by imitating the voices. <laughs> You probably thought, you're so annoying. I hope you never get into voice acting. Too late. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm sure it was very annoying in retrospect, but yeah, well, look <laughs> hey, at you I now. I a career now. So. That's right. <laughs> now, so you've been playing... It was a- funny, actually. I saw... I saw somebody on Facebook who, like, I guess I went to high school with or something way back in the day. I didn't remember him, but um, he was just like, oh, that girl was so annoying. I, it makes me very angry that she succeeded in voice acting because I didn't want her to. And I'm like, that is, like, the best feeling. It's, like, the best revenge, You get right? a good old smirk on your face like, I just, I just did it <laughs> just to annoy the crap out of you. Oh, no. Uh, now, do you ever, I would assume you always you know, take a trip back to Alaska to visit sometimes, or? Yeah, a few times a year, and actually I'm planning to go in May, so I hope that it really works out. One of the things that um, makes it kind of difficult is um, because when you're voice acting, you're almost like always on call in a sense, like um, you have to, you know, a lot of times they're like, well, whenever we need you for a project, we need you like that week or whatever. And for the most part, they do try to work around your schedule, especially because people have other jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, hey, I'm going to be out for a week, sometimes with their clients' deadlines, they're like, well, we can only record that week or we can only record these two or three days. And so it's just really rough because you don't know. Like you can email in advance and be like, hey, I'm going to be gone like these dates. Would that date be okay? And you know and that, they don't know because everything's so last minute in this business so and it seems like it would also affect conventions as well so if somebody wants you to come out to you know like you said you're going out to ireland next week for a convention and if a studio says hey we need you to record next week how does that work Do you have to end up canceling your ireland trip or well that's a little different because conventions are usually shorter trips um Ireland is a little bit of an exception just because it's out of country and I wanted a a little extra time. But, you know, if you're going to like a convention in the U.S. or something, it'll be like you'll leave on Thursday and get back Sunday night. So you're really only missing Thursday and Friday since generally they only record on weekends if they have like a rush thing that they're really trying to get done. So that still leaves Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of that week for them to schedule you maybe like early on Thursday, depending on what time you leave. So that's not a big deal being gone a couple of days, but going all the way to Alaska, I want to be gone for like nine or 10 days. And that's when it gets to be a problem, you know? Yeah. Whenever you're out for like entire weeks or almost entire weeks. Yeah. It seems like it's one of those, like you said, it's one of those jobs where you just never know when the work's going to hit and you're always mm-hmm. on call. Um, so you're, you know, which kind of sucks though, because and if you want to take a vacation, it's a little rough to even plan something you know, ahead of times, but you know, maybe they'll work around your schedule if they can postpone the recording another week. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like, you know, sometimes people will cancel a trip, which is usually pretty pricey. If there's something like, I know one time when I recorded for a really big job, they said we can only record on these two specific days, which was right at the beginning of one of my Alaska trips. And it was for a major title. So I was like, I'm not cool with giving that up. So I switched my flight. But mm-hmm. if it's for kind of like, you know, a small project or something, sometimes you just have to make that call. Like, are you willing to give that one up or this or that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, sometimes they can work around it. Um, an actress who's been in the business a lot longer than me said to me once, you kind of have to just balance. Like, you can't just go off and, you know, travel all the time because then you won't be seen as reliable. But at the same time, you can't, 
not see your family members or something. You know what I mean? So it's kind of pick and yeah. choose, pick and choose your battles almost maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, like be reasonable with it, but you also like, I know some people are like, I haven't seen my family in years because I can't, you know, risk missing work. And it's like, well, that's not really fair. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to be like, Nope, this is the time that I'm going to be gone. If you want me, I'm available before or after. And you know, if you're okay with, possibly missing out on a job or two then yeah yeah but like you said i mean some of those jobs would actually could open up the gate to further things i mean you know look at uh near automata i mean and quite a few other titles so did you you know growing up did you get into i'd say cartoons um a little like I guess the reason why when I'm I kind of discovered anime was when I like was really like, oh man, I want to be a voice actor, which I feel like is a terrible thing to say because so many people now they get this idea like I want to be an anime, but anime is not exactly the best. Um, I mean, it's it's fun to do, but it's really hard. It's a really technical skill and it pays less than most things. So, yeah, I would imagine the video games would be a little bit more money compared to video I mean anime but then again I don't I don't yeah. voice act so I couldn't tell you um now I know with from what I understand that anime is a little bit harder than video games because there's more mouth movements you have to be aware of in an anime series compared to a video game where there's you know yeah. segments would you would you agree with that? Disagree? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because um, when you're doing an anime, everything is time to picture. Now, sometimes in games you have that. You know, you noticed in Near Automata we had cutscenes where we had to sync it up with the picture, mm-hmm. and so you know that in that case it'll be kind of the same process. But not everything in that game was a cutscene, so you might have some lines where if it's um, like, if it's not the player advancing the text automatically, then, like, it, it... How do I explain this? Like, you know how sometimes in games they'll have, like, dialogue that just flows a certain way and you're not, like, pushing something each time to advance the dialogue? Mm-hmm. So in that case, but there's, like, no mouth movements or whatever. So in that case, a lot of times they'll play the Japanese and say, you have, like, this much time to do the line. We can't go over this. So we have to try to keep the length as close to the original as possible. But then sometimes you'll have lines where, for example, if the player has to push A to advance the dialogue after each line, you can take whatever time you need within reason. It doesn't have to be the exact same right. thing. So there's yeah, so there's good and bad on on both sides of the uh, on when it comes to video game recording. Yeah. Now, let's see here, video games, an anime. What 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 would you say? You know, growing up, you know, you started watching anime. What has been your go-to series or favorite series growing up or just you've always enjoyed, you know, to this day? Oh, well, you know, I didn't really get into anime until I was, like, in middle school, high school-ish. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, Sailor Moon was probably the first one where I, like, saw the art style and stuff and thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And then in the Sailor Moon redub, I got to play a small character, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. You're into the cosplay at conventions, are you not? Or is that something Yeah, absolutely. Itch? Okay. What have you dressed up as, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, a ton of stuff. Like, I've done some of my own characters. Like, I cosplay 2B, and I did Mary from Kakikarui, a show that came out on Netflix earlier this year. Uh-huh. And let's see. Um, I do, like... A lot of stuff from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because that's my favorite series and I'm really obsessed with it. Like, I even have a tattoo of the Joestar birthmark. <laughs> so, a lot of times I cosplay Jolene from part six. I also did Lucy from part seven. Um, I'm not really that good at making stuff. Like, I've tried to make a couple of my JoJo costumes, but it's hard and I'm lazy. Like, let's be real. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it would probably be a good idea to make some friends that can make you some costumes, right? Um, yeah, surprisingly, not a lot of my friends are open for commissions because they're just 
so overwhelmed with making their own stuff. Mm -hmm. That's funny, though, that you said that. Um, I know a few uh, in the Midwest that actually does do a lot of cosplay and, and just the amount of time and I guess the techniques just to even come up with that. I look at it, I'm like, I have no time to actually spend that much time to make something like that. I don't know how they oh, can yeah, do it. Oh, yeah, something like 2B with the embroidery, that's way beyond my skill level. I do have a friend who's fantastic who goes by Mango Kitty Cosplay and, you know, like, handmade her own 2B outfit completely, but, yeah. Nice. Oh, good shout-out, though. No. <laughs> has she has she made you other ones as well besides 2B or just that one? Oh, she didn't make the 2B. She made 2B for herself. Oh, to for herself. My 2B I ordered like online, but yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that you know there are people who have that skill and dedication, and that's so impressive. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know how like I would ever. But you know she's been making costumes for years. So. Yeah. When you and when it's homemade and just have that you just have that technique to do it. It you know. They're, most of the time, they're going to look better than buying, you know, buying it online or mm -hmm. through a factory. So, I mean, it's the same thing when you get, like, little figures. Like, <clears throat> the figures will come out generic, but then if you know how to paint them, you can make them a lot better. Yeah. Now, you've gone, so you, a lot of times you go to the conventions around your area, or do you go to Alaska to do it as well? Well, um, we do have a convention in Alaska that I actually helped start back in the day, oddly enough. Sometimes I still staff for them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know, if I want to go to that, I will just kind of time one of my trips back home to visit my family so that I can, like, go to that one there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I staffed last year, which was pretty cool. I worked on um, main stage events and stuff, so I kind of, like, I don't know, just, just did, like, that kind of stuff hosting and all that um i used to run gaming events there and stuff have you done any judging um i did for one con once but because my craftsmanship skills are definitely not what like you know because they actually have like at the one in alaska they have pro cosplayers that they bring as guests mm -hmm. and they like hand make all their own like costumes and props and armor and all this kind of stuff so they judge because they know what to look for. I would just be like, oh, I don't know. Does their costume look good for the most part? It looks great. Thumbs up. You pass. <laughs> uh, now, you are a coffee nut. You enjoy coffee? Yes. Absolutely. I am obsessed. I, you could say I am a caffeined. <laughs> Who isn't in this day and age? What's usually your, <laughs> what is usually your go-to coffee? Okay, so anyone who follows me on Twitter will probably be like, oh, no, because um, I'm very passionate about what my favorite kind of coffee is. It's a specific drink. It's called an iced Mexican mocha. It's made with Mexican chocolate, which is like a cinnamon spice chocolate, yeah. espresso shots, um, milk and ice. You can get them hot, too. I just have always preferred iced coffee for some reason. And it's like the best drink you will ever taste in your entire life. You know, I'm glad that we got this recorded because I'm going to write this down and try it out. I usually yeah, try to... not everywhere has them. You can't go to like Starbucks or something and get one. So usually your best bet is to kind of look around Yelp in your area and try to find places that do Mexican mochas. Mm -hmm. have to, have to we have a, a place where I live called Simply Coffee that's just amazing. I don't even have to order. They just go in and they make it for me. Because they know and you. <laughs> I got all my friends to go there too. Yeah, and they know all my friends' drinks now. And sometimes they'll put on David Bowie or other classic rock for me. Oh, that's right. You're, uh, you are a fan of his. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I assume you probably have all his movies he's been in. Yeah. Um, well, and especially like I have physical versions of most of his albums. I have like digital ones either way, but then mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, but I want to get like some physical CDs because there's something cool about when I'm in the car, like putting in a physical CD rather than just on my phone. And then my friend got me a record player and I'm like, Oh no, oh, I want no. vinyls. So it's like, I just end up buying so much David Bowie music in different <laughs> forms. Well, if you're a big fan, I mean, I don't see, I don't see why not, but yeah, it just makes me sad. Like he's not around anymore. So it's, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. It's not. It's it's never a fun moment when uh, you know, a big star like that 
you know, ends up going away. Um, I just remember, I haven't really listened to a whole lot of his music. I mean, I, I could probably recognize some of them, but I do remember him in Labyrinth and growing up, like, I think I could scare the crap out of me as a kid. I, I, because I believe the kid got kidnapped in that movie, didn't he not? Or didn't he? S- oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but David Bowie was so hot, I'd be like, you can have the baby. Just let me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What other movies do you enjoy watching? Aside from David Bowie's um, Labyrinth. <laughs> well, I don't know. I honestly don't get out to see movies very often. Um, I, I watch some shows and stuff on Netflix. I'll end up finding a show I really like and binge watching it. You know, I watch like all of Always Sunny in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. just loved that. <laughs> Do you ever watch the um, any of the anime ones that they bring out, like Seven Daily Sins? Um, what was the other? What was the other one? Uh, Cry Baby Devil, I think it was called. Oh, Devil Man Cry That's Baby. I want to check that out at some point because everyone keeps recommending it to me. Um, yeah. Say the most recent anime I watched on Netflix was like Kakegurui because I'm one of the leads in that and it was so much fun playing that character. Plus a bunch of my friends are in it and stuff. So I was going to say, so, you know, just like games, you would try to, you know, you usually try to play something that you've been in it. So the same thing goes with the anime you'll watch you know, a series that you were in. Does that feel a little awkward that you're listening to yourself or is this just kind of, you know, you see it as an opportunity to, you know, pick up, you know, hey, this is what I did. I could have done this better or like, hey, I did a great job on that. Well, it's definitely really cool um, hearing yourself as any character ever, Mm -hmm. but it's also very easy to be critical of yourself. Is there any movies you want to go see? Well, I saw Black Panther. I knew that was like the one. It's so movies are so expensive these days. It's like twenty dollars to go see Black Panther, but it, it was really good. I'm glad that I did, but yeah. it's not something that I get to do often, especially because a lot of my friends are also semi broke actors. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we'll see stuff when it hits Netflix, <laughs> right? Or when it comes out on, you know, a video rental. I mean, do you have you? Because you know, with Blockbuster out and. There's not many, you don't see a whole lot of video rental stores, but I don't know if there's any around in California. I know there's a few here in Michigan that it's always kind of nice just to walk in, look at the movies on the wall, and just, you know, get that nostalgia feeling. I'm going to take that movie, I'm going to go rent it or something. Yeah, I mean, they don't really have that here. Video stores are pretty much, you know, because everybody, it's like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Video, Crunchyroll. Um, I mean, but the cool thing about having all this stuff on demand is especially for anime where piracy has always been a huge thing. I Mm -hmm. think having this stuff available online, like soon after it's released in Japan many times, it really encourages people to buy it legally because when it's not like, oh, you have to go buy a DVD or rent a DVD or whatever, it's like, hey, you can just have a subscription and watch whatever you want. Or the bootleg ones. I remember growing up and I was getting into uh, Dragon Ball Z quite a bit and all they had was this bootleg VHS tapes. And I would pick them up and I remember how bad those subtitles were, but they were just yeah, the so wrong. <laughs> There's a great page on Facebook. They have a Twitter page too called Bootleg Stuff and yeah. it's like the best thing ever. There was some, I remember seeing some of these and I still have those VHS tapes. <laughs> Well, um, my roommates and I spent some time last week just watching clips of really bad dubs on YouTube, and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Are these like fan-made ones or you know older ones? No, they're legitimately official dubs. Oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you'll get some that were done a long time ago, or just with um, you know really low budgets or they use people who hadn't acted before because they just had to get it done or whatever and it's just so bad yeah well i'm surprised there's there's still some of that left i thought funimation and and whatnot picked a lot of those up but 
I guess they'll still exist. Oh, yeah, they usually do. These are mostly from years ago. You know, nowadays, right, right. most of the dubs coming out, there's a lot of care put into them. They're in contact many times with the Japanese clients mm-hmm. who, you know, want to approve the castings and stuff. And so, you know, but back in the day, I guess maybe when they figured people wouldn't watch it, I don't know, or in games, too, sometimes you've had it where they just pulled random people on the team who didn't have acting experience. Like, I just watched this clip that someone on my Discord server linked, and it was like, Feel my Arctic blast. Like in battle, <laughs> delivering the line, feel my Arctic blast. It was very, just, very low key, but it's such yeah. a high moment, climax. That, climax. Exactly. <laughs> so you see all these people saying, well, voice acting doesn't matter. Anybody can do this job, this and this. It's like, no, we just, just see what happens when you don't get professional actors to do things. It's right. like, you know, if you say, oh, um, I need someone to help me build a house i'm just gonna get somebody who said you know they put lego houses together a few times back in the day you know nothing can go wrong (laughs) that's that's kind of funny that you you told we were on the subject about doves back in the uh good old days of when anime was starting to get around um and then when they were mostly on vhs tapes getting onto dvds um there was uh but there was quite a few that were still actually pretty good uh, correct me if I'm wrong if you disagree on this like Trigun was pretty good on its dubbing yeah absolutely Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. is another one that really stands the test of time Yep. I there say, were some that were really good I thought Golden Boy was pretty good oh yeah we were just talking about that today with the guy who went all in on the, the swimming scene and yeah. stuff and <laughs> no but you really gotta do you just gotta commit to your character I mean maybe not to the extent he did because it sounds like he actually was trying to drown himself I, yeah. for the sake of authenticity and it's like oh, are you okay but um yeah, yeah. Um, that one will always I mean it, that <laughs> every time I think about that show I, I, I always have to start laughing just because the voice was done so well on that one and I think that's what I mean, and that's it was so rare to see that kind of quality back then. I mean, it's great to see that now that, you know, everybody's getting, you know, trying to, you know, trying to perfect it, get it right, but also have a good time with it. But, you know, obviously not to the extent where, like, you know, if you're in a water scene, you're almost trying to swim, <laughs> but not drown at the same time. Yeah, but I'd say now it's like there there is a lot of care that goes into most of the stuff that we do. And, you know, they don't just, contrary to, I guess, popular belief on the Internet, they don't just throw us in the booth and let us do whatever we want. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, we got to stay true to the character. We do hear the Japanese most of the time before we record. So, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes choices are made. Sometimes location choices are made, and that's a thing. But, you know, it's not... I think people kind of have a different concept of what goes on than what actually happens. Right. And, I mean, has there been times where you had to redo the character's voice? You know, after a certain, I mean, I'd assume like if it's... Oh, like to come back for a role after some time passed? Yeah. Yeah. um, I actually did that for Blue Exorcist Kyoto Saga because Blue Exorcist was one of my first roles in a major anime. Mm -hmm. And that was in like 2012. And then just like last year, uh, you know, so it was like five years and returning to the character. And one of the things that's cool about getting to do that is you really see how much you've improved because they played my old like reference files and stuff. And I was like, oh, Oh, oh. I was a terrible actor. I'm so much better now. (laughs) Times have changed. Yeah. Because I know that's that's funny you bring that up because uh, Fooly Cooly, they just brought out the second and third trailer for that and I believe they used the same you know, actors in that one. I mean, that's a 15-year difference. So it's interesting to see how difference does it make between the first, you know, 15 years in difference. Let alone, I mean, five years makes a pretty big difference for, you know, between that and you've done so many, you know, you've gotten better, you've you've worked a lot more roles since then. Yeah. And I, would like to think I've improved as a business person too, because that's not a thing that people really talk about a lot. And if we had more time today, I could kind of go into that, but you know how basically TLDR, when you're an actor, you also have to be like running your own business essentially. Mm -hmm. It's like freelance work where 
you ha you have to kind of watch out for yourself when it comes to jobs, you know, um, income, insurance, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, you... and just how to market yourself, like mm -hmm. business etiquette. It's like all the stuff that you don't think about. Like many of us, you know, myself included, were like, well, we want to be an actor, obviously, and you know, not realizing that hey, you have to learn a lot about like financial stuff and taxes because it gets really complicated when you're an actor. And, you, you know, just like um, how to write business emails, how to network without being conscious. It's like there's so much stuff that you have to think about. Would you say, you know, getting the idea how to run a business would be something you would tell, you know, up and coming, you know, voice actors what they should probably get in know first? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not saying like, oh, you have to go to business school or something. I mean, right. I didn't do that. A lot of stuff was just trial and error over there. But I think learning that yeah. kind of stuff. And um, I actually, I don't know, I don't see as many voice acting classes geared toward that side of the business. And I think it's really important. I yeah. actually write up some stuff on my forum. I have a whole website called voiceactingclub.com. And there's like articles and tips on there that kind of go into like, hey, here are the things that you would think about. And yeah, there's a lot of resources on there. Now that you mentioned it, you did start up a uh, an organization about that. Could you explain more about it? Yeah, so it's called the Voice Acting Club. It's an online forum where we do a number of different things. Um, content creators can go on there and post auditions for their projects. Many of them are unpaid, like kind of, you know, trade for experience sort of things. But we also do have some paid things for like indie games and stuff that get posted there. And it's kind of like for people who do voice acting as a hobby, maybe they don't live in the right place to pursue it as a career yet or whatever. A lot of them go to the site and audition there. Right. Now, and there's also a community so people can talk. Like there's a Discord server and people can kind of make friends, ask questions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now... When it comes to, like, I mean, obviously California is a one of the top states to really do these kind of things when it comes to, you know, voice acting, even art. Uh, I would even say some of you know some of the things I do I do in my field as well with uh, graphic design, web design, and developments usually around those kind of areas, but. I mean, there's some states that actually does a little bit, like Texas would do a few, you know, as another state that actually would have, you know, more, you know, other opportunities as well, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would say um, Texas is probably the next best place to do voice acting stuff. It is mostly anime, like there's a couple game places out there, but it is. Mostly anime, but they get a ton of anime. So mm -hmm. plus the cost of living is cheaper. So there's that. Right. Um, video games are mainly done in California, so that's one of the reasons that I chose to live out here. Mm -hmm. We get less anime than Texas does, but we, you know, get more of a variety of stuff. Yeah. So you apparently like to sing. Yeah, I'm not great at it, but I'll <laughs> go to a karaoke bar and do some Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> you won't say no to a Bowie if it come if it's an opportunity. Oh, I love her singing with a Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say out of all the voices you've you know you've landed to or how you know both games? Let's just do this. Let's, all all the games and anime that you've worked on. I'm going to put you in the spot. What are the top five you've enjoyed the most? Um, okay, I would say 2B from Mira Automata, obviously. I really like doing Erica and Fire Emblem Heroes. Trucy Wright from Ace Attorney. Serafina from Disgaea 5. And, oh no, I have to pick one more. Help. Because um, I... You have anime, I mean, too. I have fun. I'm like pretty much... Oh, okay, I can... I can do anime too. You want to um, you want to do um, the games first and then do the anime one next. Well, but I don't have as many anime roles as I have game roles. Um, Lyria and Grand Blue Fantasy was a lot of fun, so maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, um, but for games like the one more would be Honoka from Dead or Alive last round because it's a fighting game and that's like my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, we'll we'll come, we'll put that in there. What are the uh, top five? David Bowie songs. 
Um, Star, Little Wonder, Rock and Roll Suicide, Scary Monsters, and Changes. You had a lot easier time doing that one than you did with the anime one and video games. Well, because I thought about my top five. Because people are always like, oh, I want to get into David Bowie, or should I start? And so I was like, well, you should start listening to the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars album, and then you should listen to Aladdin Sane, and then maybe Diamond Dogs, and maybe some stuff like Low or Station to Station. But, you know, if they're like, okay, well, just give me like a few songs, then, you know, I've thought at length at least about what my top two or three are. <laughs> what, are um, what are five reasons why you should own a cat? Well, more like five reasons not to own a cat because, you know, cats are great. Um, I think one thing is once you have a cat, your home will never feel the same again if you decide not to have a cat Mm -hmm. or just don't have one for whatever reason because there's something about having that little presence in there. Even though it seems like like that. that. And even if you live with other people, you know, I live with roommates and stuff, but there's something about just having the presence of sweet little cats um, their meows are very adorable. <laughs> Everything about them is adorable. Their purrs, their little faces, their little paws. <laughs> you notice um, that I, it's so weird, though. I mean, I've got a few cats of my own, and I, 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 every like they all have their own little personality. And yeah, they actually have personality. <laughs> I've got one that's grumpy. I've got one that. I, we call her Princess Petunia just because she thinks Aww. she's a princess and she's the only girl cat. Um, but she's always, she's enjoyable though. She likes, she's really good around the kids. She's always, but she, man, she is sneaky. She is a sneaky little cat. Like you try to, if you were trying to close the door, she would try to get in between as fast as she can. Sometimes she'll run into the gate, but still, Still lovable cat. So yeah, my my Jareth can be a little brat and stuff. But the thing is, it's like even when they're brats, if you're upset or this or that, cats know, and you know they're like, okay, I'll suspend being a brat for ten minutes to come for you. <laughs> Not a lot of them, you know, and a lot of them don't really come up. Do you have? Does your cats come up and you know snuggle with you or want to be petted or whatnot? Some of them, like one of them was feral, so she's very standoffish and afraid of humans and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, another good point about cats is that they are independent in the sense that, you know, you don't have something that's like clingy and depending on you constantly all the time. And, you know, that's usually what I tell a lot of people is, you know, they ask me, you know, why cats? I says, well, one, I have to go outside. I don't have to come home, have to take them outside and walk them and pick up their poop. They've got a spot where they can do it. As long as they do it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've got a, a Michelangelo, the orange one, the pumpkin spice. Is that what you call it, pumpkin spice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he will, um, he, I swear, like, I, I have to, <laughs> I don't know how he still does this. He would like to, he tries to get on my, climb up on my back He'll wrap his you know his arms around my neck, and we'll start you know suckling on my ear. I don't know. He just does it all the time, <laughs> and he has to do it every time he sees me. Probably because I'm the only one that actually lets him do it. So yeah. So you say those are the top reasons to own a cat? Yeah. <laughs> Why you should know. Oh, and also, you can post cat pictures on social media. I'm, I can't even take credit for the number of followers I have because I feel a good amount of those. It's like, well, she's kind of weird, but she posts cute cats, so. <laughs> I don't know who she is, but I like these cat photos. I wonder if she started yeah, doing that. Yeah, like, I think I've legit had people follow me just for the cat. I should probably start doing that more often now. Well, Kira, I appreciate you coming out. Is there anywhere or anywhere anybody can follow you at? Yes. Um, if you search my name on pretty much any social media platform, you can find me there. I have like a Facebook fan page sort of thing that you can like, and if I have any new roles, I'll post up there. You can follow me on Twitter for cat pictures. Instagram, I'm not as good about using, but I, I try sometimes, and there's more cat pictures. <laughs> 
Sounds but good. I think like Twitter is probably where I'm the most active. So. Right. It seems to be the go to the go to for I think for a lot of people, especially to get to get a hold of. And you mm-hmm. can follow uh, Cat with Monaco at catwithmonaco.com, or you can you know find us on our social media: Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, all those fun ones that a lot of people enjoy at Cat with Monaco. But I do appreciate you, you know, j- jumping on this podcast. Oh, you're welcome. You are right. Well, you take care. Hopefully we'll talk soon. All right. Give your cat some love for me. Will do. Thank you. Thank you.